Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Friday. It's the 12th of August. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Governor Kim Reynolds is asking a district court to lift an injunction on a 2018 law that would ban abortions at around six weeks of pregnancy. Reynolds, a Republican, says she is asking the court to reinstate the law following a state Supreme Court decision in June that lowered protections for abortion under Iowa's Constitution and the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade that was issued shortly after. The state is being representative by an attorney with the conservative legal group Alliance Defending Freedom. Iowa Attorney General Tom Miller, a Democrat, has declined to participate in Governor Reynolds' legal actions on abortion. State health officials say they are actively monitoring the state's monkeypox cases and are strategically deploying its limited vaccinations. IPR's Natalie Krebs has the details. Iowa has just over a dozen confirmed cases of monkeypox statewide. So far, federal officials have allocated about 2,500 doses of the monkeypox vaccine to Iowa. Iowa Department of Human Services Director Kelly Garcia says the state is following federal guidance to target the vaccine towards certain populations considered to be the most at risk. We're focused on gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men, including transgender individuals who are 18 years of age and have had either multiple new or multiple sex partners in the last month, who have had close contact with others at a venue where there was likely a suspected, probable, or confirmed case of monkeypox. Garcia says the state is also reserving a small amount of doses for other close contacts. The Iowa Utilities Board has determined the Webster County Fairgrounds will be the site of the public hearing on the Summit Carbon Solutions request for a permit to build a carbon pipeline. The order sets the place for the hearing, but the date has not been set, as IUB staff are continuing to review the information submitted with the permit request. Webster County was chosen as the site for the hearing because it is at the middle of the proposed 681-mile pipeline. There was some discussion about using the Webster County Fairgrounds because the site is 4,000 yards outside the corporate limits of the county seat, which is Fort Dodge, but the IUB determined the site substantially complies with Iowa Code hearing requirements. The Democrat running for Iowa Agriculture Secretary says he opposes the use of eminent domain for the three proposed carbon pipelines in Iowa. IPR's Katie Pikus has more on John Norwood's appearance at the Iowa State Fair yesterday, where he made the comments. Three companies want to build pipelines to capture and transport carbon dioxide emissions from Iowa and other Midwest ethanol plants and store them deep underground. One company has sent lists to the Iowa Utilities Board of the properties it intends to seize for its project, called Eminent Domain. Polk County Soil and Water Commissioner John Norwood says Eminent Domain shouldn't be used. I think they need to be done voluntarily, they need to be done fairly, they need to be done safely. Fairly means annual payments to landowners. Fairly means annual payments to counties that are impacted to help upgrade their EMS systems. Norwood adds the companies need to be careful and ensure the pipelines aren't built next to schools and be able to shut them off quickly if there's a problem. He made his comments at the Des Moines Register political soapbox at the Iowa State Fair. 
And in Cedar Rapids, the city council this week awarded construction equipment supplier Altorfer Incorporated tax incentives to build a $40 million corporate headquarters facility in the fast-growing southwest quadrant of the city. The Cedar Rapids Gazette reports the council signed off on preliminary terms with Altorfer to build a 150,000-square-foot office, sales, and service facility. It would relocate its existing corporate headquarters and roughly double its size. It's here first from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Kelly Madigan guides me up the less hills that surround her property in Monona County. All right, so this is where it's going to get a little thick. She's familiar with this landscape. In 2020, she trekked the 260 miles of the hills from Plymouth County to the Missouri border. As she walked, she says it became clear to her how fragmented Iowa's natural areas really are. We have made those strips of where plants and insects and uh, and a variety of animals can live. We've made them so narrow and in some places they've disappeared altogether. The tall green fields dotted with wildflowers that once dominated the state began to vanish as settlers put it under the plow. Now only a tiny sliver of Iowa prairie land, around 0.1%, remains untouched by the agriculture and development that surrounds it. It's speckled in small patches across the state and in Madigan's backyard. Those remnants to me are super important to preserve. They're like a little lifeboat of what's left. That's why she's reintroducing prairie onto her own property. She's committed to not only conserving what's left of Iowa's natural lands, but to bring back the wildlife it's lost. That's been a mission of the Iowa Nature Conservancy for decades. Here at Broken Kettle Grasslands, Graham McGaffin points to the birds and the bison that populate the Less Hills. He says it's one of the state's most biodiverse areas because it holds 75% of Iowa's grassland You've got prairie. got box turtles that exist in the hills, uh, Plains pocket mouse, uh, the Great Plains spink. You've got, uh, you just got a ton of species, and the hills are so unique. Since 1963, the organization has been collaborating with landowners to bring back wildlife. He says they do so by connecting the fragmented natural spaces. You can get a bigger conservation or biodiversity bang for your buck if you protect a, a corridor um, and can really connect those, you know, those islands of conservation. But McGaffin says land acquisitions average under 100 acres per purchase, meaning conservation happens bit by bit, year after year. And some even want to challenge that. Earlier this year, Republican state legislators introduced a bill that would limit the money county conservation boards and the Iowa Department of Natural Resources could spend on buying land. The measure failed to advance, but Les Hills Land Stewardship Director Cody Wallers says it's an example of the tension conservation organizations face. In an agricultural-dominated state, it's always going to be kind of an uphill battle. But the lack of protected natural land isn't sustainable for Iowa's wildlife, says Briarcliff Associate Professor of Biology David Hofer. The destruction of the ecosystem is part of what has led to 47 animals and 64 plants being listed as endangered within the state. We're, we're at crisis point. Either we do something this decade or we're going to see massive, massive extinctions. 
over the rest of the century. Hofer says it will take thousands of individual landowners stepping up to implement conservation practices to reverse this. He says the state should focus on incentivizing farmers to reintroduce natural habitats on steep or flood-prone lands. Farmers like Lee Tesdell. There it is. The Illinois bundleweed is this feathery little, pretty little one. On a sunny day in July, he points to patches of purple and yellow on his farm. Wild vegetation is interwoven in his soybean fields. That's because four years ago, he planted strips of prairie across his 80 acres in Polk County. He says the strips can reduce sediment movement by 95 percent, reducing his water pollution. And Tesdale has watched the biodiversity on his farm bloom. I saw a coyote come by and a raccoon came by and a skunk came by and then the badger came out (laughs) checking everything out. So there's a lot of critters down there. It brings out the wild side of his farm. That's something, Tesdale says, Iowa could do with a lot more of. I'm Kendall Crawford, IPR News. This is Iowa Public Radio's Here First. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Clay Masters.